a bit disappointed this morning uh, in just how things happened because uh, I was thinking about it. It was about 95 that we drove in here the first time. And um, I remember when I approached the circle where you turn uh, towards uh, Komiki or towards uh, Simonstown, the first time we came in, there was a big banner hanging over there saying, Welcome, Louis Else. God is able. I got such a fright, I went around the circle and drove straight back to the airport. I thought, what the heck is this? And this time there was nothing. Can you believe it? God is not able anymore, and I'm not welcome. <laughs> so it's online now, of course it is. What a joy for us to be here this morning, uh, and a church that we have got such great memories, fond relationships, um, deep relationships with in, uh, in our friend Mark and Dee, late Dee. And all that God has done in this church, see Chris and Louise and many other faces uh, that has just been good and kind to us. And uh, we were planted at the same, ch- same time as churches. We were prayed out at the same time, Mark and Dee and Edna and myself in Johannesburg by Church of the Nations leadership, Tony and them. When we planted churches, they planted here and we planted in Jeffreys. Um, they went through the valley. We went into victory. And then uh, they came into victory and now we're all in victory. Isn't that fantastic? Mark, we love you. It's wonderful to be with you. Um, thank you for being our friend. We bless you for that. And well done to the church, you know. All of you guys have done so well. I see now that the, the band, half of it is mother and father, and the other half is, what a story. Isn't that fantastic? wonderful? And then great to see Dan and, and Claire here with us. They're from, uh, from Maidstone, UK. Um, they are in, in, uh, <coughs> in Dave Capes cluster, the Axe the, the Life cluster. So um, wonderful to have you guys with us. We just had a week of leadership uh, with Tony and the guys, the Apostolic Council. Uh, I don't want to talk about that, but we had a great week together. So here we are this morning chatting to you. Uh, let, let me just say one thing before I preach the word. The sending. Church of the Nations has been... Uh, in October last year, 40, oh, we're 40 years old. And so um, we really felt God said it's, it's a time of change. It's a time of empowering and releasing the next generation. Now, let me just be clear in this next generation thing. When I announced at home to the church that we are going to pray, encourage, anoint, and release the next generation, a few of the more mature people came to me and said, so does that mean our time is over now? And I said to them, no, you need to read this thing correctly. So I want you to hear this correctly because something is going to shift this morning when I say this. When I asked the Lord, what does it mean when we release the next generation? I heard him say to me clearly, the next generation is anybody that is prepared to put his hand up and say, Lord, I'll take it from where it is right now to where you want to take it. That's why when the angel spoke to Mary, she said to him at the age of 14, Behold the handmaiden of God. 14 years old, next generation, ready to bring forth whatever God wanted to do upon the face of the earth. But it was Caleb that said at 85, Give me my mountain. There was an opportunity for the more mature ones to say amen. Come on now. They say one of the 
the, the, the readiest generations are the generations 60 and up. Because they have reached 60 is the new 40. It's actually the new 35. I mean, look at Harry, he's 70. Look, he looks like he's 40. In May, I'm turning 60. It looks like I'm 25. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's we're ready. Give us our mountains. And so, although we're pitching it to the age of 16 to 30, if you've 35, actually to 75, but, but we're pitching it to, from 16 to 35, but if you want to come, come. Because what we're going to do is we are going to pray, preach and pray and worship and release a next generation because I believe there's something happening on the face of the earth that's going to be a demonstration of God's glory and power and the harvest is coming in that we've never seen on the face of the earth. Do you believe that? See, it's not just about having church coming together in places like this. It's about being ready to see what God's... The, the, the world is in a mess. They need Jesus. In every facet and in every arena and every sphere of society, they need Jesus. Not religion, Jesus. They need the kingdom. The kingdom values, kingdom principles, the kingdom way. And we believe God is saying to us, lay hands and release a generation of men and women that is prepared to take the kingdom with its values and principles into every mountain of the kingdom with a conviction and a persuasion that will, that will have a ripple effect on the earth and bring in a harvest that we've never seen before. Amen? So please don't miss the 5th to the 7th of July. If you can't make it, pay for somebody else. Say to the person next to you, that's a brilliant idea. Amen? Do you say amen in this church? If you say amen, if you don't, if, can I just get somebody at the back there? To say amen. This is quite, I'm so tall. Those lights are in my eyes. I, I, hallelujah. Oh, there are people up there. My goodness. Edwin, how are you? Leon, fantastic. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14? I'm going to share with you uh, the word that God gave us this year. Uh, and I'm going to do um, just kind of a summary of the whole thing, if you don't mind. Um, and just to encourage you, I, I felt that God told us in the beginning of the year as we came into 2019, 2018, He gave us the word, it's the year of acceleration or the season of acceleration or the time of acceleration. That God says, I'm going to do something on the face of the earth and I'm going to accelerate everything. And it's not going to come through might or power, but by my spirit. So when we speak about acceleration, it's not about us working harder, sweating more or trying harder. It's about us aligning ourselves with God so that he can do within and through us and without us what we can't do by muscle. Where's that amen guy? Okay, go on. I just want to make sure. <laughs> so that we can see God move like we've never seen him before. So, so the whole deal is about God saying, I'm going to do something on the face of the earth. So it doesn't matter where you find yourself, what is happening in your life, your marriage, your family, your business, the, the arena that you find yourself in. God says there's an acceleration upon the face of the earth. And I'm going to do something that will cause you to stand in awe as I come with my spirit and touch and, and encourage and anoint lives and that will see an acceler a supernatural acceleration. For that, we have to align ourselves with God. Amen? Alignment is a big deal. 
In other words, God says, all you need to do is just align yourself with where I'm at, what I'm saying, and, in the, and move in the direction that I'm, t- I'm telling you to move. And if you align yourself with me, I'm going to come upon you just like I came on Elijah, just like I came. And I can tell you story upon story in the Bible where people align themselves with God and, and they experience an acceleration. Can I just share? I've got till quarter past. Is that right? Or 20 past? Fan. What? Praise Jesus. I mean, I can just add two more sermons on there. Accelerate. Say acceleration. How many of you would like to see acceleration in your life? God is saying it's on the earth. It's, it's in the air. I'm moving. All you need to do, you just align yourself. And when you align yourself, you're going to see something that takes place that you could never make happen with your muscle, or with your ability or your skill. And so when we came into this year, we were not sure what God was saying to us. And he said, it's an extension of acceleration. It's going to be a year where that acceleration is not just, listen carefully now, it's not just what God's going to do in our lives. Because most people want acceleration for what they want. I I want a promotion. I want a breakthrough. I I want some stuff. And it's good, you know, God says, if I gave you Jesus, will I not with him also freely give you all other things? Romans 8. Romans 8.32 says, if he gave you his son, will he not with him also freely give you all other things? And so it's okay to believe God for other things. But primarily God wants to do an acceleration in and upon and through our lives so that he can accelerate his kingdom. Amen? So that people can see the goodness and the glory of God uh, and, so, and then come to Jesus. So we believe that he said to us in the beginning of the year, I want you to continue to align so that I can demonstrate through you say demonstrate so this is the year of accelerated demonstration God says if you if you align with me I'm gonna touch you and I'm gonna do something through you and demonstrate the goodness and the glory of God if we align with God in that situation that you're in he's gonna demonstrate you see we, we, we want to say God please change my wife or change my husband or Jesus those kids you gave me you, you know what I'm saying to you or, you know, that boss you gave me. Or this situation that I find myself in. I had somebody came to me one time and said, Pastor, you need to pray for me because I'm working in a situation where I just can't endure it anymore. I'm the only Christian there. Everybody's cursing and, 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 and carrying on and just living a life. I, I don't want to work there anymore. I want you to pray for me. So I said, close your eyes, lift your hands. They closed their eyes, lift their hands. I said, Father, I thank you for this brother, this sister. Thank you for where they're working. I thank you for who they are. I thank you that you'll keep them there another seven years. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> They say, how can you pray that? I said, you're God's answer to the place. You, you can trust God if you align yourself with God, just like Daniel or Joseph or any of the others. If you align yourself, you can expect a supernatural impartation of God upon your life so that you can display a grace and a glory and a power that they will not be able to work out, fathom, or understand because there is such an anointing on your life because God is interested in using you in spite of the circumstance to demonstrate, say demonstrate, the goodness and the glory of God. Amen? You will become a living miracle, a demonstration of God. And God says, this is the year. And so uh, we carried on and came into this year and say, this year, it's not just a year where we believe in God for an acceleration and a demonstration for, of God towards us, but also a demonstration through us. And so we started this year in Matthew chapter 22. I know you've preached some of this and John and the guys have looked into some of this, but I want to read you this portion of scripture again and just talk to you about, because we're getting closer 
to a certain portion of the scripture that's relevant to us for where we are in the year. Can we read the scripture? Matthew 14, 22, and uh, just touch on a few things, because I believe, I was standing here this morning, uh, and I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, I wonder whether these guys are ready and really believe for what I'm going to do in this church. Because he said to me, I was just, you know, when you stand in a place like this and you've been part of it from the very beginning, when there were three in the garage, him, D, and the dog. And, and then it started, when, when you come from there and you go through the highs and the lows and the, and the victories and the failures and all the things, and you walk in and a whole new generation of kids that ran around are now leading worship with their children. You think God is good and God can do it. And if God said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And here's our word that God spoke to us. And, he's, and we're holding on to it. He said, your end will be better than your beginning. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. We, we started this year by saying to people, in spite of what you see around you in the economy, in governance, in, in, uh, in our nation, in the world, wherever you put your eyes, it's disturbing, uncertain, um, and, and a little bit scary at times. But the one thing that you cannot do is you cannot be an observer. You, you cannot be passive. You, you cannot just stand on the side. And, and we felt strongly, and, and, and we are here this morning, and we had a little island somewhere, and we just want to stop the boat for you that didn't get in. Because Jesus, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat going to the other side. And I want to say this to you, it doesn't matter where we are in the year, it's not late, too late to get in, but don't stand on the side as an observer and have an opinion because it makes you critical, cynical, negative, judgmental, and all the things you shouldn't be because we are called to make a difference. Come on now. So Jesus says to his disciples, get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. I don't want to preach on every verse, but I want to just share a few thoughts with you. Is that okay? So here's the deal. When Jesus said you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. doesn't matter what happens in between. And I'm here today because we're getting closer to in the middle. And it's just important that I want you to know it doesn't matter whether it feels like you're getting closer to the other side or not. We're going to the other side. So he's saying that to them. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, and do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to, the, to Jesus. But when, he, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, 
Why did you ask? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And what a wonderful portion of Scripture. And I pray that God will bless it to us and minister to us this morning as we share this word with you. But Jesus is telling the disciples, he says, if you want to get, if you want to get somewhere in life, you're going to have to get into the boat. And I, and I trust that you got into the boat in the beginning of this year, going to the other side, because wherever you find yourself at the moment, God doesn't want you just to stand on the shore, stand and sit in your situation and get stuck. So Jesus tells the disciples, get into the boat, get to the other side, because I've got some stuff for you. Amen? Say that to the person next to you. God's got some stuff for you. Amen? Mm. There's some things that God wants you to be involved in. There's some things God wants to do with in and through your life. There's some things that God wants to do with your life. And it involves you not standing on the shore, observing things, speculating about things, being negative and cynical about things. It gets for you and me to get into the boat. Amen? So, and then the most important thing is as we get into the boat, because we were uncertain and unsure and a little bit fearful of getting into the boat, it gets worse when you're in the boat. Because at least when you're on the shore or on the side, you can decide where to run to, where to go to, and what to do, what not to do. But once you're in the boat, you're in the boat. And sometimes when you look in the boat and see who's around with you in the boat, that's scary. Hello? I mean, you think, Jesus, is this what I signed up for when I look around in this church and it's, it's him and it's her? And it's, you know, can you imagine when some of these disciples looked around and the guy that was next to them was Peter and Judas and doubting Thomas? <laughs> what an inspiration and encouragement to be in the boat with you lot. So, so they, they were holding on for dear life. And, and this, an amazing thing about it, the Bible says a storm started and the disciples got you know you know when when guys that are fishermen that goes out fishing that knows the sea and understands storms when they get scared you need to know that it's time to get scared amen i mean they are now fearful because it's a, these boys know the sea and they know fishing and they're fearful to make it worse they see a ghost and they're not sure what that is and so they are now fearful in the situation. And what is important for you and me is that when God commissions us for a kingdom assignment and gives us a mandate, we are not in control. It's, it's an act of faith. This whole lesson, this whole situation is about, I'm going to kind of try and sum it up at the end, is Jesus helping them to understand that they can never get themselves to where they want to go. They can only get there as they yield and obey and position themselves and align themselves with His purposes. And why the journey? Because it's not really about where you're at nor where you're going. Oh, you didn't get that. Where you're at, God can change instantly. Where you're going can come like that. You see, I'm most of the time interested in not being where I'm at because I want that to change. I'm super excited about getting where I believe God's sending me the prophetic words over my life and the visions I have. And I'm excited. I want to get there as quickly as possible. So where I'm at and where I'm going are important to me. What happens in between is important to God. Because where I'm at, I don't want. Where I go, I want. What happens in between is what God wants. My life gets changed there. My life gets shaped there. Something gets adjusted there so that I don't just move from where I'm at, get what I want, but I'm also in a journey where he gets what he wants 
out of my life so that I represent and reflect him so that who I am is a demonstration of the grace and the goodness of God. Say to the person next to you, in between is important. That makes you feel better already, doesn't it? Come on, just, just immediately makes you feel better. So the disciples are in this boat and they're going to the other side. And the other side, you can make that as applicable as you want to to any situation in your life. Your marriage, your personal life, your, your children, where you work, your business, how we see our nation, where we're going in the nations, whatever it is, because it has a ripple effect. It works itself out in my life and it works itself out in my marriage, in my family and wherever I find myself because I'm on a journey to the other side in every facet area of my life. Amen? So let's not just think my personal life. Let's not think this morning just where you are spiritually. Let's not, let's not just think about your marriage or your finances. Let's think where you work. Let's think where you find yourself. Let's think the arena that you find yourself in, the, the influence that you have in, in, in society and the community, in the nation or in the nations. Let's think about that and ask God, Lord, where are you taking me to? How do you take me to the other side? The problem is that once we get in, we, are get, we, we can get stuck on it. And Jesus is, is, is coming and he wants to demonstrate something to them. And all of a sudden he's walking on the water. These guys are fearful and, and they don't know what to do. And they're a little bit stuck because they're not on the shore. They're now in the boat. They're dependent on the boat. Everybody is equally scared. There's a storm out there. And, 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 and now something needs to shift. And I want to say to you this morning, wherever you find yourself in, whatever it is that you're sitting in, your situation is not your destination. God wants to change that. God wants to get you out of that. And, and, he, and He's calling them to get up and out of what they're sitting in as God is calling each one of us to get out of what we're sitting in to walk on what others are sinking in. It's that season. And it might just be the season where you're the only one that's going because we're in a place and a time. You see, when you, when you get into the boat, you become dependent on those in the boat and you don't want to leave the boat. That's why Paul says, why do you say I'm from Apollos and I'm of Paul and, and this one has done that? And He says, forget about that stuff. But when you're in a boat and your life depends on the boat and those around you in the boat and on the boat, that's all you want to talk about is the boat and the people around you. And God says, I wanted to get you offshore into the boat so that you can be not so fearful and get to a place of dependence because there was an unhealthy independence that's based on fear. Now I want you to get into the boat so that you can be dependent on those around you and dependent on this, on this family that I'm with you. But I don't want you to get so dependent that you're fearful of anything else around you. So I want you to get out of it. I want to break your dependence and get you independent from the boat and the people and get you on the water where you're totally dependent on Jesus. And, and there are just times in my life that I wish when I step out in faith, Aaron Phillies will come with me, but he sits up there and I'm down here. And what do I do? Because he looks down at me and I think, Jesus, I'm sinking and he's up there in big circles and moving. I used to say to him, I knew you before you were famous. But here I am down here, he's up there, and, and you get fearful and intimidated, and you think, I'm not going to do it unless Edwin comes with me, because Edwin is a man of faith, or Harry comes with me. And God says, no, th this time, I want you to get out alone. Come on now. I, I want you to get to a place. Hey, listen, God wants you to get out of your situation alone. He wants you to take a step where you become the demonstration to your marriage partner. 
God changed her. God says, now I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get you out of the boat and demonstrate to her something that she's never seen in her life. So that by the time that she sees your servanthood, your humility, your kindness, hello, she knows that you are out on the water because this is not you. You are believing God. And as you are out there on the water demonstrating the kindness, totally relying upon Jesus to change you, she will change. And vice versa. A demonstration. And you, God says, I want you to get out there in your business. I want you to get out there. There are some of you sitting in friendship circles, in business circles, and there are talks and negotiations and, and all kinds of conversations. And God says, you can't sit in that kind of conversation. You can't sit in those kind of circles just casually anymore, acting like you're a 007 Christian. It's time for you to stand up and get up and get out and walk out for me. Come on out, somebody. God said, until you do that, you are not going to get to the other side because I've got some stuff for you that is not on the shore. It's not in the boat, in the comfort zone. It's out there on the water, and I want you to get up, get out, and walk. And then it's quite something, you know, when you, when you kind of go through the process of getting in, getting dependent, getting out. And Peter sees Jesus walk on the water, and, and he remembers some things that Jesus shared with him. Remember, these guys hang around with Jesus. They saw some stuff, experienced stuff, heard stuff that blew their minds. And Jesus is coming on the water, and he said to them, can you remember that time? He said, this is Jesus. It's not a ghost, it's Jesus. And he said, can you remember that time that he said to us, the things I do, you will do and greater things. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to, I'm going to do, what he's doing today. So he says, Jesus, if that's really you, it's amazing if you've been with Jesus for so long and you see him and he walks on water and you have to say if it's really you. <laughs> Disciples are just slow, you know what I'm saying to you? It's an amazing thing. If it's really you, command me. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets over the side and starts walking on the water. Can you imagine that moment? He says, boys, I'm, he said we can do what he's doing and I'm going to do it today. He says, come on, tell me to do it. There's a few important messages and, and lessons in what's happening in and around this boat. You can read it, excuse me, read it for yourself. There's so much in here, it'll blow your mind because God's got a story in this for you, for this year, for next year, for, your, for, for every facet of your life and says to you, I'm taking you somewhere. Don't give in, don't give up, don't let go and let's go on this adventure, you and me. So he gets out of the boat, he gets on the water. I can just imagine what happens. And he starts walking. Now let me just say this to you this morning. Alignment means when I've got my eyes focused on Jesus and I don't do anything until I've heard him say something. Peter walking on water. You and me getting out of our comfort zone. You and me getting out of a safe circle, out of the safety of a boat that we put all our trust in. is not us making a move out of frustration, irritation, or because you feel you're underpaid or you don't have the title, the position, or whatever you think you should have, you get out because he says so. No frustration, no irritation, no being fed up, not liking the person, not, not getting what you think you should. That, that's not the motivation. The motivation is the voice. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So whenever you make a move because you're irritated, frustrated, fed up, think people don't see you, hear you, value you, whatever else, you know, you don't earn, that's not the reason why you move. Then you find deeper, greater strategy, insight, and revelation to be a demonstration where you are. But you don't move until God speaks to you. Come on now. 
You don't have to say that, but that's why you sank the last time. Can you remember that? Because you decided to go for a walk and nobody was saying anything. <laughs> and they get out of, and they walk on this word towards Jesus. And the Bible says that as he was walking, something amazing happened. It says here, In verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Funny things always happen in the middle. When it's as far to that side that it is back. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you're so deep into the thing you can't turn around. And when you turn around, it's as far back as it is forward and you don't know what to do. They normally happen somewhere in the middle. And we're getting close to the middle because, and I feel God said to me, it's, it's time to share this with him so they can get ready for the middle. Some of you are now very sad that you came this morning. <laughs> in the middle. And then the Bible says that's when it started happening. It's when Jesus showed up in the middle. And Peter gets out of the boat in this thing. And the storm that is, that's boisterous. And, and he's walking towards Jesus. And then it says here, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Can I tell you something? Listen carefully. What you see in life affects the way you walk and talk. What you see affects the way you walk and talk. Because the Bible says, when he saw, that's why it's very important that you and I need to make sure that what we hear in the beginning, we hear clear enough so that we can see the other side. So that what you see in between doesn't affect what you've heard initially. Because what they saw was a wind and a storm. And they heard the noise of the storm. And saw the waves that the wind caused. And it affected what they've heard before. And what they saw before. Because you see when Jesus said to them, go to the other side, they heard it. And they must have, in their minds, saw what's on the other side. But somewhere in between, they heard the sound of the wind and saw the waves and the effect of the waves. And what they saw in the middle affected what they heard in the beginning. And Peter started sinking. Jesus never said to him that when we go to the other side, it will be smooth. You will have no resistance. No challenge, no noises, no effects, no other thing. Listen, church, part of the deal is that God is speaking to you and me and has put a, a seed. The Bible says you have been born again of an incorruptible seed, have been made partakers of the divine nature of God. And God loves putting us in positions and situations not to resist us, mess us up, tell us that we're horrible and get, causes us to fail, but to demonstrate to the world that we are born of an incorruptible seed. So that we can say like James says, I count it all joy when I fall into diverse kind of temptations, knowing this, that the trying of my faith work patience, and if I let patience run its full course, I'll come out on the other side and tire wanting nothing. Did you hear that? So, so I want to say to you, if you feel like you're in a difficult situation, if you feel that you're in a situation where you feel resistance and things are not working out, I'm not talking about deliberate sin. 
If you are doing that, just repent. And, and then just turn around and it'll change for you. But if you feel all kinds of other resistance and challenges and hardship and difficulty, I want you to get excited. Say to the person, I'm so excited about the situation I'm in. <laughs> I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that I've got the storm and the winds and, and that I've got you as a wife and I've got you as a husband and we've got these crazy kids and I work where I do because it's obviously an opportunity to demonstrate. But if you sit in the boat and all you do is you just, that's why it's time to get up and get out. Because there are too many Christians that discuss, can you imagine the other 11 guys sitting there, Jesus, can you remember when he caused that demon out there, and yeah, when he healed that leper there, and when he multiplied the bread there, and he did this there, and that did there. But that's not good enough to get out of the boat. That's just, people should get out of the boat, you know, I mean. But people don't understand our situation, because really, I mean, and people in the boat, it's cynical and negative and critical and, 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 and full of doubt and unbelief. And so the most amazing thing is that when Peter gets out there, Jesus never intended for him to get panicky because it says here, when he saw the wind that it was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. I want to say this just, just for a few more moments. I want to say to you that what you see will affect the way you walk and talk. There are three things that you need to make sure that you see correctly. You need to make sure that you see God correctly because if we really believe God is who He says He is. We will walk different, talk different, and, and look different. It doesn't matter who you are here this morning as a Christian, non-Christian, whoever you are. I want to tell you, if we as Christians really believe God is who we say He is, and He says He is, and we believe He is, we will look different, walk different, and talk different. Amen? You need to make sure that the way that you look at God, that He is your God who says, nothing is impossible with me. All things are possible with God. Did you know those are two different things? Did you know that? All things are possible with God. Say that. All things are possible with God. When we really believe in our hearts that all things are possible with God, nothing is impossible with God. Did you get that? If all things are possible with God, for God to do nothing is impossible. I want you to get that. He is the God of the impossible. And if you believe that, you'll walk different, talk different, and behave different. Secondly, you need to make sure that you see other people and circumstances correctly. Because most of us are so intimidated, manipulated, and fearful of what other people think and say and how they behave that we're too scared to stand up and walk out in case they reject us or put a thing on us or say something about us or that we don't look cool or don't look like we, that we're with it, that, that we are constantly fearful of other people. We, we find that with the spies. Can you remember when they went into the promised land? They said, for we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And they, 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 no, nobody told them that they were grasshoppers. They were grasshoppers. So the third thing that is important is how you see yourself. And grasshoppers in our own sight. And if you don't get that right, what you see, you see the promise. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and God has given you a promise, and He's called you to the other side. He called you out of the boat. And the, promise, the problem is not who God is. It's not what other people are saying or what the circumstances holding. It's the way you see yourself. And you're a grasshopper in your own, I'm just not good enough. I'll just never make it. I just haven't got the faith. Maybe I just haven't got the call, the anointing. Maybe I'm not educated enough, equipped enough. If people know my background, if people know where I come from, if people know who I really am. Hey, listen, 
We sang the song this morning, grace qualifies you. It's the anointing, it's the divine enablement of God upon your life. It's you being obedient to God, aligning yourself with God that gets you there. It's not your ability, your skill, your talent, your education, or what you can do. It's God that's going to need you. And you better see yourself as He sees you this morning. Amen? He loves you. He approves of you. He likes you. Amen? He's qualified you. He wants you to do what He wants you to do with and without it. It is that you've got or haven't got because He's going to qualify you. Thank you for getting so excited about that. What you see. The Bible says, and then he cried out. Now I want to tell you that we are called to walk not just on the water, but in storms. Hey, listen, it was impossible to walk on the water. What made it impossible to walk in the wind? This is not a, you see, this is not such a nice message. <laughs> this is a message that's calling you out of your comfort zone you and me out of the excuse making of why I'm not spiritually where I'm supposed to be, where the marriage needs to adjust itself and it's not the partner, it's you. It's not the children, it's you. It's, it's not the boss, it's you. It's not the company, it's you. Not because you're bad. God doesn't want to change you because there's something wrong with you. God wants to change you because there's something more to you. You've been called to be a water walker all your life. You've been called to make, be a difference maker all your life. You, you've been born again, not just to miss hell and make heaven. You've been born again so that God could put an incorruptible seed in your heart and let that come to fruition, that through the hardships and the difficulties, time and again, He will prove to you that He's faithful, that He's loyal, that He can do it, that He's able to do it, and that you and I become a demonstration. You become a sign and a wonder and a miracle. My life is a miracle. Our lives is a miracle. Our children is a definite miracle. Jesus. Amen. We've got four of them. Now we've got grandkids. Hallelujah. They all came to visit us over Christmas. We just had to surrender in the first two days. You know, we sang, the whole Christmas we sang, it might look like we surrounded, but we surrounded with you. <laughs> the kids eat the dog's food, the dog eat the kids' food. The sand, that's water. It's, we just had to give up and give in and, and not feel like we're failing. <laughs> they eat our food. They eat everything. And if you touch half a sandwich they made, they said, who took, gave you the right to take my sandwich? <laughs> not that bad, but you know what I'm saying. But they happen. It just, life happens. And so it's a miracle. God takes us through life and you realize as He shapes us, forms us. I've gone through situations in church life, business life, that I realize even the difficult stuff God put there, just like He did with, with Joseph and with David and with, and, and with Daniel. He allowed certain situations to occur and things to happen, not because God was against them, not because God was trying to push them aside and nail them and resist them. No, because he's placed within them a seed, an everlasting seed and something about himself so that when they yield to him and align themselves with him and look at him, the Bible says, even though, can you imagine Joseph being put in the, in the pit, in jail, all the misunderstanding and it says all the time, but God was with him. God was with him. 
And his life was a demonstration. And listen, church, God is calling us out not just to be blessed or be comfortable in what we want for our own lives. God is saying, I want you to call on me. Ask me for energy. Ask me for strength. Ask me to encourage you in your faith so that where you find yourself, instead of looking at it as a half-empty glass, it can be a half-full glass. Amen? Instead of looking at the circumstance of what's wrong, you can see what the opportunity God's giving you and say, Lord, give me an energy. Give me something to say. Give me something to do. Tell me what to do, how to live, how to walk, how to behave so they can see, even if they fire everybody, they can't fire me because then they'll go bankrupt. Come on, help me somebody. So that we don't have to constantly preach and tell them how bad they are and horrible they are and shove the gospel down their throat, but through a demonstration of something supernatural, they can see there's something about this man, there's something about this woman, there's something about this family that's just not normal. And listen, I said to somebody, said to me the other, yeah, but I just make, need to make sure that I represent God correctly. You know, accurate representation. Accurate representation doesn't mean you do everything right. Accurate representation means that when you miss it, you show them how accurate repentance looked like. Or apologies. I had to times stand on my knees in front of my kids when they were that size to say, sweetheart, forgive me, or my boy, forgive me. Dad did not represent father well. And that took the dagger of guilt and condemnation and judgment, not just away from them, but also out of my heart, so that they don't feel that they have to love me because I projected on them. Do you understand? Representation means representing the king well. So they, they started sinking when Jesus he says, Lord, save me. You know, I did a series, and I don't know whether you touched on some of it. Get up, get out, and shout. Says that he shouted out and said, Lord, help me. You know, I did a series on prayer not too long ago. And I wonder whether you realize the reason why prayer is not working is because we don't understand why prayer, what prayer was there for. If you, if you talk about prayer and prayer meetings, and it's the, it's the weakest attended part of church internationally. If we say we're going to have a prayer meeting, we have to really convince people to come. The reason for that is because people don't understand what prayer is for. And I want to say this to you, and I hope this helps somebody just a little bit, that in, initially prayer was never intended to ask God for anything. Prayer was intended for fellowship and communion. Because Jesus prays and he doesn't need a car, he doesn't need new clothes, he doesn't need finances, he doesn't need a breakthrough, he doesn't need healing, he doesn't need a, a new position, a new job, and he doesn't deal with rejection, insecurity, and shame, and he still prays. So in our minds, Religion have been telling us that you have to go to God with many intelligent, theological, awesome words and articulation to try to convince God to do what you think He should do so that you can be in a better situation. And if you don't get what you want or get what you think you should get, it gets harder to pray. So that you try to, that's why we pray harder, shout louder. And Jesus says, it's not the many words, it's not how hard and loud you shout. Because your Father in heaven knows before you ask Him for anything that you need it. It's because you don't know what it's there for. And because you approach me in an attitude 
that is there that says, I need to convince God. And maybe this time, so you go when you're really desperate. That's why people say, we need a thousand people to come together to pray for this thing. And if we can get a million to pray together now. <laughs> you see, you don't change things because a million people pray together. You don't change things because a thousand pray together. You don't change because you have great articulation of words and theology. You don't change because you shout and go, Shondai, Rondai, Tamai, Bautai, shoot a mosquito. None of those things is really what it's about, you know. Things change because you ask Father in Jesus' name. And you go to God, and before you ask, you have fellowship. And you say, God, here I am. And God says, I, I know what you need before you ask. And so I can't go into that this morning. You can get me back. I'll preach to you on prayer. You've changed your prayer life. Come on now. Because if I know I don't have to go to God and say, how hard must I try and twist his arm to maybe this time he'll say yes. Well, I can go every time I know that whatsoever I ask in his name, I'll have. That changed something. So that's why Jesus, when he said to Peter and he pulled him out, he said to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You see, the thing that sinks you is what you see, and doubt can sink you. Hello? In this whole story, the only guy that got rebuked was Peter. <laughs> Did you realize that? The only guy that got rebuked was Peter. He said to Peter, oh, you have little faith. He said to Peter, Peter, you would, I was inviting you to the other side. You got into the boat. You were the only guy that was brave enough to get out of the boat. You were the guy that got your eyes fixed on me, looked at me, and walked on water and in the wind. And then for a moment you got confused, heard the wind, saw the waves, took your eyes off. And you, you were doing something you couldn't do in the first place. Why did you look away? Why didn't you pull the thing through? Because you're going to get into situations like this again and again and again. If you keep your eyes fixed on me, I'm going to pull you through every time. I'm going to get you to the other side. I'll let you experience impossibilities. I'll let you experience the miraculous. Because life is full of situations and circumstances and situations where you need the miracle working power and the anointing and the grace of God. You'll never get to a place where you've got it so waxed that you can do it by yourself. Why did you doubt? What made you look away when you know when you look at me it can happen? What made you go somewhere else, look somewhere else, do somewhere else? When we were set up for, and, and here's the story, of course, you all know that. He never really sank, he began to sink. That's why I say to people, you know, get up, get out, and shout. If you need help, shout. Don't, don't say fancy prayers, just say, Jesus, you'll be there. Oh, Lord, help. Don't put your other vocabulary added to it. Just say, Lord, help. Amen? Help, Lord. He'll be there because if it's sincere, he'll be there to pull you out. And I believe that there's another shouting. There's, there's too many people that have experienced miracles, signs, and wonders, and they're not shouting his praise. For we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. Amen? So Peter's out, and when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. Two more things and we're done. Supposed to be finished already. Jono, I repent. My goodness. Can I do one more? Is that okay just this Sunday? I repent publicly on the, on the thing. 
Sorry, there's two notes. Here it is. Two more things quickly. Number one, Jesus gets us in the boat. He gets us out of the boat. And just when we get used to, listen carefully, just when we get from the shore into the boat with fellow Christians, and we get totally dependent on them, God says, listen, you can't be so dependent on fellow Christians, the church and the organization or the fellowship that you're in. You need to know that there's more to it. I want you to become independent of them, totally dependent on me. And just when you become totally dependent on God and you think you can walk on water, guess where Jesus takes you? Back to the boat. Just, just when you're excited about, you know, Edwin, you know, those people that you think, thank Jesus I got rid of this lot of hooligans and knuckleheads and small believers and doubters and unbelievers. And I'm now a water walker. Hallelujah. I'm traveling the world in faith. I now at works. Jesus says, hello, my boy. How are you doing? I said, I'm now on the water. God, I've sank. I came up again. We walk on water. He says, do you know where we're going? I said, no, where? He says, back to the boat. So that once you become independent of people and totally dependent on him, he makes you interdependent on them. So that you can go back and encourage them and love them and don't judge them. And you sit, don't sit in the boat because of fear. You sit there because there's a mission, a commission and a mandate. And you help people to get to the other side. And people are in and out of the boat sinking, getting up, getting out. And you're not judgmental, cynical and skeptical. But you're part of the crew that gets us to the other side. And the amazing thing is when they get back into the boat, I'm finished. They worship Jesus, not Peter. Did you get that? When they get back into the boat, they worship Jesus. Somehow, Peter so demonstrated this whole deal about being the demonstration of faith, trust, and reliance upon God. That when Jesus comes back into the boat with Peter... They worshiped Jesus, not Peter, and said this, Surely you are the Son of the living God. And you know what? God wants to take you out of the boat, out of the situation that you're in. Let your life be a demonstration. doesn't matter where you find yourself. And as you walk through it, totally trusting and relying upon Jesus, and he brings you back again and again to the workplace you find yourself in, the marriage, the children, the family, the church, that every time because you have yielded to the process, people look at you and worship him a bit more. And this is our year. And I want to say to you, as you get into the middle of the year, when things get a bit rough and, and, and you, you kind of just, you know, it's still a long way to December and you lot lost a little bit of your enthusiasm in the, from the beginning of the year, don't give up. Amen? Because we're going to the other side. And you are right now positioned where God's going to use your life to be a demonstration to change some lives for other people. Are you okay with that? Let's pray. Thank you, John. And thank you, guys. Thank you for the, for the time.